We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your Browns lose in Pittsburgh 26-22. It's a really unfortunate loss with a lot of layers to peel back to discuss why that loss happened. Uh, you're showing up listening to today's podcast. It's not a fun podcast, so kudos to you for being here. It'll be brief. It won't be long, but there are some things to hit on. You know, I like to do the All-22 and give you a more comprehensive view, but there is some need for immediate reaction following a loss like that. So we'll have it with just a solo Jake performance in this one. So thanks for coming by. Let's get started with the latest OBR film breakdown. All right, guys, what's up? Welcome in on your Monday morning again. Not a great podcast to be putting out there considering what we all hope for, but we have to do it. That's part of the show. You get daily Browns coverage from me for a reason. We're going to talk through some of what I thought from tonight's 26-22 loss in Pittsburgh, which I have to say was one of the weirder games I've ever consumed. And it feels like I think you would probably agree with me at this point, You know, at least since 2016 or whenever I started paying super close attention and analyzing and covering these guys this this team just can't play normal football games sometimes right like these primetime games especially where you just can't seem to play a normal game so it starts out we awful right off the bat in terms of like anticipation build up you come out and spread you throw a two-man stick concept into the boundary that gets intercepted, you know, I have to watch it again, reconsume from a better angle than the TV angle to see if Harrison Bryant was slow coming out of the break, doesn't get where he needs to get, is expecting to kind of button up because he's short and running into the boundary. Watson throws it wider than he's anticipating, off the hands, intercepted, pick six. I mean, as bad as a start could possibly be, that's the start you run into, right? Which is, again, it's awful. It's an awful start to this thing. So, you know, the thing I talked about before, if you listen to these shows leading up to the game, was that Pittsburgh's edge guys were going to be a big difference, and then not giving them points. I mean, on the game script, you think that they would come out and be fine right off the bat to have that happen. You know, bobbled up in the air, lands in Highsmith's hands, he runs it back, breaks a tackle on the sideline, runs it back. It is as deflating as it gets. Now, they get credit for coming back out and having a 60-yard drive, that ends with three points, 
but you've already given away seven in a game where the Pittsburgh Steelers just can't score, right? The Steelers go, coming out of the gate, this is how their drives go. Three plays, seven yards. Three plays, 12 yards with a penalty for minus five. One play on a turnover fumble, right? So you include interception, punt, fumble, punt. Then they get a field goal off of a Browns turnover, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've held these guys to nothing. You've given away seven points. You then see the Browns miss a field goal. Then you see the Browns go 53 yards in eight plays and the quarterback fumbles on a speed option on fourth and one. You've given away insane amounts of opportunity. Now they get some credit for scoring a touchdown off of the 23 yard, you know, ended up being 23 net yards off that fumble. But like this is as rough as it gets for a start to a game where we all know points are going to be at a premium to miss field goals, turn the football over two times, give away seven points. It just, it's so bleak coming off of the the start that they had. And especially like we said, they get the interception, which was a great play from Grant Delpit to get that interception, right? So you're feeling good, right? You've gotten down, you've gotten three points. It's seven, three, you get that turnover, get the ball deep in Pittsburgh's territory. You start at the 19 yard line of Pittsburgh, a chance to go up 10, three, they go backward, they take a sack, go backward for six yards and four plays, miss a field goal, right? This is, again, bleak. You can't capitalize on the opportunities given to you. Pittsburgh gets it back. They go three plays, 12 yards, ended up get, costing themselves five on a false start. The Browns get it back again. They get it out, 53-yard drive, eight plays, onto the Pittsburgh 43, and they fumble. You know, that's Deshaun on the speed option, fumbling once again. A, a promising drive ends in disappointment. Right? So the Browns fumble it back over. Pittsburgh gets it back, right, down at their their forty three yard line. Then they fumble it right back to the Browns and, and Gunnar Olashevsky like just coughs it up and, and a play that Troy Aikman tried to say wasn't a catch is the weirdest analysis, but almost like a circus play where Delpit scoops up the fumble, he's running, he gets the ball knocked out and ends out of the sideline. Nonetheless, the Browns get the football again, this time down at the Pittsburgh twenty three. And that's when disaster strikes. They make a couple runs. They get down deep into territory. And then Nick Chubb's knee is buckled and his season is done. Um, Look, this is a point of contention. I I think that the way Minka Fitzpatrick, like if you tackle a player like Nick Chubb um, who's running right at you in the manner in which you, you you go down, you go low and try to take their legs out when a player's running right at you, I think that's fine, right? Because you have you're not going to tackle Nick High and you even don't feel comfortable about tackling him in the midsection. But the thing is Minka came in on that play from the side and launched himself into the side of Nick's legs. Do you need like I just think that that is such um you know I don't know the intent of that guy. I don't know Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't pay enough attention to him, but to jump into players' legs from the side, I think is, it felt like a really, maybe you don't call it dirty, but just like not, not the way, um, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this, uh, it was just not playing the game the right way, a smart way, the way it should be done, it's almost like golf has the unwritten rules, it felt like unwritten rule type stuff to me, now, if Nick's knee was up in the air when he hit him, it, nothing probably happens, but when you... There's a difference between going low on a player one-on-one coming at you and going into their leg when they're held from another player, 
even going into their leg from the side and shooting through a knee. And the way he did it where he like shot down low, turned his back and threw his shoulder and hip into his lower legs. I just thought that play was dirty. And I think it broke some of the rules of, of football. Just like not again, like baseball. And again, baseball's like this. They have these unwritten rules. I just think that that was, it was gross. I, I didn't like it, man. And I, you can say that's results based stuff, but I just think there's a difference in that how you take care of each other on a football field a little bit between what's natural in the football universe and what's not. And I just I thought that was the intent didn't feel right to me. So the Browns do score there. They end up making it. I think at that point they made it uh, 10-7, including their own touchdown, uh, you know, there in in the field goal earlier. So, you know, Pittsburgh gets it back after that. I think they go down and they punt. The Browns get it back again. The Browns go into this slew of here are the next three drives, negative two, three, and one in terms of gains. Jerome Ford is is in it in running back, and it just nothing looks comfortable. It's all out of sorts. And you know, you can tell that the 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 vibe, the feel, all of it was was just off. Like it was just off all across the board for the team. Like the the, the entire um, energy level, the entire feel of the the stadium, not the stadium because it's in Pittsburgh, but just, I don't know, man, the, the, there was a real deflation that happened there. And then obviously the Browns give up an 82-yarder. We'll talk about that coverage throughout the week, but it was pretty clearly a blown coverage between somebody supposed to be carrying that route, um, that particular route from George Pickens. And I'll give Kenny Pickett credit. He sat in and and delivered that football really well. One of the only delivery type of throws he had all game. But, um, you know, for me, that's the only negative defensive play. But again, that makes it a 17 to 10 game at that point. The Browns do go down and actually I think it made it 11 because the Browns had gone for two. So 17, 11, the Browns get a field goal before half. But I mean, at that point at halftime, a weird outcome. You, you don't feel great about it. They do come out of halftime, get um, Pittsburgh kicks a field goal off a 44-yard drive, and then the Browns end up breaking along Jerome Ford run. It ends up netting a touchdown to put them you know, in a position to have 22 points on the board at that point. So you, know, you go from 14, you get another two-point conversion. You're up 22 at that point. Uh, I think the score is sitting there at 22 to 19. So again both teams at that point just have to take care of the football and let their defense win the game. What happens? The Browns fumble it twice in the fourth quarter. The Steelers, there's some crazy stats from this game. The Steelers went into the fourth quarter down three, 22-19, and went for negative seven yards and still won the football game, right? The Browns didn't let the Steelers have a single snap inside their own 30-yard line and lost this football game. The whole thing was you could not let the Steelers have takeaways that resulted in big plays, you know, especially scoring plays the way Pickett and crew were struggling in this game. And that's what happened. 14 points where Steelers players from the defensive side of the ball get into the end zone. And that's the difference in this game. 26, 22 could have easily been, you know, a 22 to to 14 game or a 22 to 12, 11, 13, whatever, that's they handed the Steelers a victory at Acrisure Stadium in this game, and that's that's really disheartening considering, you know, uh, the the way you lose a heart and soul of your football team and Nick, 
and to have a chance to win it, but just mistakes, right? If you go through the stats, four turnovers for the Browns to two for Pittsburgh, but just the sheer number data, 20 first downs for Cleveland to nine for Pittsburgh. Both teams stunk on third down, five for 16 for Cleveland, four for 14 for Pittsburgh. 408 is your net yardage for Cleveland, only 255 for Pittsburgh. 81 plays for the Browns to 53. Even had a better average gain at 5.0 to 4.8. Ran for 198, passed for 210. Only gave up 55 rushing yards to two, and 200 passing yards, of which 80-plus came on one play. But you turn it over four times, right? You you have eight penalties to five for Pittsburgh, and you give up two t- defensive touchdowns. It's, I mean, it's as simple as it gets. When you step away, your emotion is removed from, from what that was and trying to break all of those, you know, stigmas in Pittsburgh and, and, re- and release all of those ghosts, right? You, you step back and realize they handed the Steelers a victory in this game. If they just had average offense, even cut the turnovers in half, it's a win. Jerome Ford ran for 116, sorry, 106 yards on 16 carries. Chubb 10 for 64, both up over six. Although I will say Ford had 15 carries for 37 yards if you kind of take out that fluke 69-yard gain where just kind of popped out the backside and the quarterback was in the right spot. It's not designed that way, so that's a pretty fluky play. But nonetheless, that result is a huge play down to the one-yard line. Watson runs six times for 22. He throws 22 of 40, 235, a touchdown interception. There's a larger discussion to be had about him after the break. Cooper coming off of a questionable groin designation. Seven for 90, he was great. David Njoku, four for 48, largely driven by a play he made on his own to go for 29 yards. Elijah Moore, three for 36, despite nine targets. There's a lot to break down there throughout the week. David Bell, three for 27 on three targets. Jerome Ford catches three for 25, and he has the touchdown catch. Defensively, Delp at six tackles and interception. I thought JOK played really well from the first watch. Thornhill was fine. Shelby Harris was out there doing the, uh, his dirty work. Um, Anthony Walker and is, uh, like I said, JOK linebackers were good. Sione Takitaki had a sack Hurst and Harris split a sack. Miles would have had a couple. If there wasn't a fluke, little Kenny Pickett flip and another holding call, he would have had a couple. They were fine. Defense was good. You were going to talk about the blown assignment or just, again, it could have been a good play, right call, right time. And the Browns weren't going to carry that crosser and Kenny held it and delivered it. But nonetheless, man, like they, the, the defense did enough to win. Right, they they held Pittsburgh to like 13 points. If you take away the two, you know, 12 points, whatever you want to call it, because the Steelers went for two as well. Like, you know, they they did enough, by far enough to win. But the Browns handed them on offense two scores. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski, and the whole dynamic going forward. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. Listen, the Browns have the Titans coming in in Week 3. There's a chance these guys could be 2-0 and coming back to Cleveland for a home game. You should be looking ahead at buying those tickets, and Game Time is the right place to do it. So, why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so the obvious elephant in the room here is what are the Browns doing on offense, right? I have to watch it. I have to consume it. You know, there's the fumble strip sack that happens that costs the Browns the game, essentially, because it's 22-19 at that point. You still don't see Pittsburgh. Maybe they go down and kick a field goal, but you don't see Pittsburgh scoring a touchdown, given all the evidence that we have from earlier in that game. But, um, you know, you hear uh, after the game that uh, the crew knew what the play was going to be on the other side of the football. T.J. Watt said they knew what it was going to be. The Browns are under center on second and long, dropping back and doing what I call play action, run actions when everyone's selling the run. The only two people selling run were the quarterback and running back with a quick flash handoff where the quarterback's back is turned, but everybody else up front is blocking pass pro. And the Browns chipped on Watt's side to slow him down, but didn't do anything with Highsmith. Highsmith is just like shot out of a cannon running upfield. And the only way Jedrick Wills is stopping him, even remotely stopping him from running the arc and, and bending the corner quicker, 
is by turning and sprinting backward off the snap. That's how bad this was. Like, I can understand slowing down defensive ends and, and some of that stuff here with some of that that play-action look, the quarterback running back stuff, where you get them to believe that you, for a split second, are going to hand the football off, and that slows down an edge rusher getting upfield. But watch the play, guys. Those edge rushers are flying upfield. No respect for that. And that's just wasted motion that extends the depth of the drop of the quarterback who has to go off of a play-action look where he extends the football and then take his drive steps deep. There's no chance. There's no chance for anything to develop. There's no chance for the guys to really, truly block those guys without a chip. It was a poor play design. It's poor play design. Pittsburgh capitalized. The ball bounced the right way into Watt's hands as a touchdown. And, of course, a couple things, right? You, you're asking Jedrick Wills to do a really hard thing. And I, I honestly didn't think it was awful considering how hard that thing was. And you're asking Deshaun not to fumble, which, again, you, you can't fumble, right, when you get hit from behind. But it's hard. Sometimes the ball gets hit at the right spot to bounce out of your hands when you don't see a player coming. I have to put it on the coach. I think that's a bad call. You can't call that if teams are teeing off and knowing that you are going to be doing something of that nature in that moment. Or, you know, you can also tilt it to Pittsburgh, right play, right time, great play. But that sort of recipe on second and long in your, you know, you're up at that point, but you're not running the football with much run game efficiency. You can't get beat that bad on a play that is designed to help slow down edge players and not really give your quarterback you know a, a feeling of of hurry right he that that design is meant to give him time give him space and Pittsburgh condensed it they did the right thing at the right time I'm not here to tell you that Kevin Stefanski schematically can't get it done I have to watch it I have to have the view of all the players I have to be able to sit down and consume it to give you the right answer but what I can tell you is, at the top of these drops right now, there is no clarity of where the football should go from the quarterback position. Now, there's a coach-quarterback relationship. We have to see what is is in on that, like who's to blame, what's to blame, all of it. We'll get there. But between the coach and quarterback, the job's not getting done so far. I don't know. Maybe, I hate saying it this way, the removal of Nick Chubb will force them to be a gun-heavy base team and try to do things living from that look instead of the traditional under center stuff they've done because Nick is so gifted at it. I'm I'm very interested in the dynamic shift that could happen because of this because it feels like there's a little bit of teetering between two styles, and I'm not sure that was getting done. Uh, Going to get the job done in the future either. I I really don't know. I don't I don't have a great answer right now. What I know is that you guys are trend thinkers. We all are. It was not the best six games last year. We have not seen two quality performances from Watson this year. You want to know why. I am going to try like hell to give you that answer over the coming days. He's not throwing the football as accurately as he needs to. He's not processing as quickly as he needs to, and he's certainly not ripping the football, throwing anticipatorily in front of defense reaction the way that you need him to right now. Um, The scramble stuff is fine. There have been some weird moments of decision, like there was a third and two where I thought he easily could have run as he was running to the left sideline. They got lucky that Amari Cooper's face mask was grabbed. I'm like, why didn't he just run that instead of throwing a poor ball at the last second to Cooper? There's still some head-scratching stuff going on, but he's still able to create with his legs at times, but the the within structure, the, the rhythmic throwing, all of that is not where it needs to be, and you guys questioning it? And feeling uncomfortable with optimism going into 
a home game with Tennessee is totally understandable. I will say the defense, again, I want to reiterate, is playing great football. They are, if they continue to do that, they're going to they're going to be tough to beat if the offense doesn't beat itself. You you need reminded of that. That if the offense doesn't beat itself tonight, they they win that football game by even potentially double digits. So there's no reason to give up all hope. Let's see this thing get to the middle of the season. There's no doubt that what's going on between play caller and head coach is not, um, and the quarterback is not good enough right now. I will try like mad to get you an answer on what that looks like, why it is the way it is right now. And I'll also try to figure out if they're going to need to add a running back, right? Because there's going to be a tough discussion on whether Jerome Ford and Pierre Strong are good enough at that position in perpetuity going forward or if they need to look at something more serious. I lack the thought of a trade, but I, I don't doubt that there could be a free agent on the market that they're interested in to come in and help there. Um, you're upset. Uh, it's understandable. I'm bummed out. That game was just misery because, you know, like I said, you want to beat and in all of these stigmas with the Steelers, but to have Nick, who is just like, you know, somebody had said he's America's running back, and it kind of felt that way. You just had a, a gigantic sense of pride with Nick Chubb, and you know, to see that happen and the and the nasty nature of that. And if you have not seen it, I mean, go look at it if you want to. It's it's pretty gruesome. It's going to be a complete and total tear of pretty much everything important in that knee. It's the same knee that if you were a draft nerd and studied Nick, and or if you were a Georgia Bulldog or SEC fan. You know about his really, really tough hyperextension he had at Georgia of that left knee that also tore the ACL and the ligaments around it. So it's the same knee twice, which is really, really concerning. A running back pushing toward 29, 30 years old, also really, really concerning. And um, it makes you sad, man, because that is um, you know, one of the bigger parts of enjoying Browns football is watching Nick Chubb, who's just, he's among the special, special players at the position. I posted a photo, or sorry, a video of Bijan Robinson, the rookie in Atlanta, and it's like, that's stuff that Nick has done, and that's like, we are spoiled to watch Miles, and we're spoiled to watch Nick, and to lose Nick in that nature, and feel like there was some some sort of nefarious intent there, because, and, and again, I'm not saying he he's trying to to re I'm like diving and saying I'm going to tear this guy's knee apart but it was it was just irresponsible tackling in my opinion by making it almost it you could see where people could get to thinking it was dirty and 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 I understand that too so I don't know man football is a gruesome sport it can be really unfair at times and last night for you um it probably felt really unfair to watch your team hand that football game over to Pittsburgh but the season is not over. You have two games coming up at home that you can win, and you will still feel, if you win them, really good at 3-1 and one heading into the bye week. So your season's not over in week two. Now, your season hinges on the offense completely changing course now, being driven by Deshaun Watson and needing him and Kevin Stefanski to be better and to be able to put together an efficient offense, which, again, if that is cause for concern for you, that is very fair. And the special teams has not been good enough either. Taking a timeout in the second half, the first possession of the second half on punt return, that is so frustrating. 
They have. They have. I. I. I'm not here to again like rag Bubba Ventrone off um, the wall here, but there. There's some penalties tonight that weren't good enough, and there were some some miscommunications on specials that weren't good enough. So let's see those things clean up. If you want to be a team that is going to have to win by the by the the, the very tight margins, you know tonight was an example of how you can lose those margins by giving things away. They can win against Tennessee. They can win against Baltimore with this defense they have. They just have to be competent. They don't have to be elite. They don't have to be great. They have to be competent. I think there's now a rushed forward thought about playing uh, truly in a different offensive style where they're going, in my opinion, should be less under center, more gun, giving them more predictability for their tackles, also being able to expand the run game stuff from the gun. I need that to be the course of action with Ford and with Pierre Strong and whoever else they might add for that backfield. We will see. So um, it's a big week of roster movement coming and uh, a lot to shake out. We'll try to do our best to cover it. I think the podcast to really listen to will be the comprehensive breakdown that will come to you guys tomorrow. So check that out on Wednesday. It's a short week. The Browns are right back at it on Sunday, and that's the challenge here is is you're right back at it, but you are at home against a Tennessee team that can be beat. So let's hope they can figure that out. I would like everybody to try to have a good Tuesday and uh, forget this game as best you possibly can. We talk about how the Bengals struggle with the Browns. They don't come into Cleveland and win very often. Well, you know, the Steelers in, in Cleveland, there's a stigma in Pittsburgh for for the Browns, and they did not get over that hurdle on tonight, although they had a very clear opportunity to do just that, and that's what makes it really, really frustrating. So, one-on-one, Cleveland Browns, back at it. We will cover this game the next few days, and then we will turn the page over and talk about the Tennessee Titans by probably by Friday, eh, probably Thursday, Friday. We'll see what that shakes out. Probably Friday we'll really start digging into who the Titans are and all of that. So, Thanks for stopping by, guys. If you listen to this pod and you're committed to it, shout out to you. We had over 300 people in a post-game show after a miserable loss. I still can't fathom that. So, listen, I hope you guys have a great Tuesday, a better Tuesday than your Monday night was, uh, at least. So thanks for, for being here and a loyal listener of the OBR Film Breakdown. Yeah, that's enough. Let's get out of here. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.